Um, good morning, everyone awake this morning? Everyone ready for the word? Okay, good. So I know that, and I've been kind of harping on this a little bit lately, I know that there are a lot of people uh, in this church that are going through a lot of difficult situations. Um, there are, whenever you gather this many people under one roof, you're going to have a lot of situations, a lot of all different situations of all kinds of different types. I mean, we have people going through some family issues. We have people going through marital issues, people going through financial issues, people going through health problems, people going through spiritual issues. And many of these issues that I just mentioned are of a very serious nature. They're not just minor problems. Uh, they're very serious. And, and they're the type of issues that don't go away very quickly. They seem to linger for a very long time. They just hang around and hang around. Now, if we could have our way, I'm sure all of us would snap our fingers and say, Lord Jesus, take these problems away from me and make them all go away. But it doesn't always work that way, does it? Those problems seem to just linger and linger, and we wish they would go away. We wish we could come out of this, whatever it is, a family situation, a stressful job situation, financial situation. We wish we could just make it go away, but it seems to just hang on to us. That just seems to be how life works sometimes. Now, for example, how many of you have been praying about something, some problem or some situation for a long time, and it doesn't seem like the Lord has answered your prayers or has moved in that situation. I know every one of us in here has been probably praying for something, for God to change something, or for God to do something in a certain situation, and it doesn't seem to be happening. I'm sure there's some of you that's been praying for years about certain things that don't seem to be being answered by the Lord. But we continue on, don't we? Because Isaiah tells us that his ways are higher than our ways. We have to trust in an intellect that is greater than ours. So we continue on. So it could be said that for all of you who are going through some junk in your lives, it could be said that you're going through a wilderness. The Bible actually talks a lot about a wilderness. For some reason, if you're going through something... For some reason beyond me, maybe even beyond you, God has allowed you to travel into a wilderness place. God has saw fit that you need to travel into the road that takes you through the wilderness. Now, to me, in my eyesight, if God takes me into a wilderness, and I've been in a wilderness before, a spiritual wilderness, I have been through them. To me, I have looked at God and said, God, I see a much better route for me. Lord, can't you see this route is the much better path? It's much easier. It's straighter. It's a shortcut, Lord. Why don't you take that route, God? But for some weird re reason, beyond us, God takes us on a different route that we don't see is right for us. He takes us into the wilderness. You know, maybe we could even take it a step further and say that God has intentionally brought you into a wilderness place on purpose. It's not just random happenstance or circumstance. He has intentionally taken you into the wilderness. Now, first of all, when I say wilderness, what do I mean? I looked it up in the Webster's Dictionary earlier this week, and wilderness is a tract or a region of uncultivated or uncivilized land. 
It says, it is uninhabited by human beings. It's empty. It's a pathless area in a remote region. That, that's what a wilderness is. So God takes you from your dwelling place where you're familiar, where your friends are, where you have neighbors, where everything is okay, and you like it there. He takes you out of there for some reason and puts you in an uncivilized, uninhabited wilderness where there is nothingness. There's no other people. There's not even any paths for you to take. It's just complete nothingness. You know, the wilderness, if I mention a wilderness this morning, it represents hardship, loneliness, tragedy, crisis, tears, pain, suffering, trials. If for some reason God allows us to go into the wilderness, many of you are there even now. Listen, in the Bible, let's think of biblical geography now. The Bible refers to the wilderness. Many times it's referring to what? The desert, right? If you think of biblical geography, the Bible talks a lot about a wilderness. Most of the time, it wasn't a big forested region. It was a desert. There was nothing there. Absolutely nothing but land and sand. That is it. There's nothingness. It's uninhabited. There's no roads, no nothing. It's just complete nothingness. It's a desert. It's the wilderness. Lots of desert all around in the Bible. So hear me out, okay? I'm saying this morning that it is God that has brought you into the wilderness. If you're wondering, why? Why am I going through this? How did this happen? Why do I have to suffer for this? Why do I have to fight through this? I'm saying this morning it's God that has took you there. Now remember, what is the wilderness? It's empty. It's pathless. It's uncultivated. It's uninhabited. That's what it represents. Why? Now, why would God do that? Why would God take us from our homes where we're comfortable, where we're familiar, where we're content? Why would he remove us from there and let us go through the wilderness? Why would he take us? It's almost like he pulls us, almost like he picked us up and plopped us into this wilderness place, this desert where there's nothing. Why would he do that? Because the wilderness, to me, it sounds more like a place you might take someone that you don't ever want to see anymore. But God takes us to the desert where there are no other people. It's almost like He segregates you sometimes. He pulls you out of the bunch and takes you and pops you right down into that wilderness. You look around, there's no friends. There's no one to help you. There's no paths. It's nothing but a desert. Why would He take you to a place that is not comfortable? That's not pleasant? It's not hospitable? Your friends aren't there. You have no neighbors. All creature comforts are gone. Why would God do this? Why would he allow this? Why would he direct your steps to go the way of the wilderness? Now the Bible really reveals to us why God takes his people through the wilderness. Listen to me now, and I might mispronounce this, but the Hebrew word for wilderness is midbar. Okay. Now if you look up that word, and then you break that word down to its root word, and to what its root meaning it is, it means, midbar means to speak, okay? So listen to me now. God takes his children out of civilization, out of familiarity, and he pulls them into the wilderness to speak. He takes them in a barren place that's nothing but desert, and it's complete nothingness, 360 degrees all around you. It's nothingness to speak, okay? 
God removes His children from all distractions so that He can speak. Because there's nothing in the desert, so you might as well listen to God. There's nothing for you to do, no business for you to conduct, nothing helps you out in the desert, in the wilderness. You might as well reach up and look to God and say, What, Lord, what are you trying to speak to me? Listen, if you're in the wilderness this morning, I believe God is trying to tell you something. In, it, it's in the wilderness where God reveals things to his children, he's trying to speak to you. Can you hear him this morning? If you're sitting there and you're in a wilderness, you've been battling this thing, this stuff, this junk, God is trying to speak to you. He's trying to talk to you. He has removed you from civilization so you can hear what He's saying. He has taken you to a place of complete nothingness so you'll finally have an opportunity to hear His voice. You see, this world drowns out the still small voice of God. And when I'm home, I got business to get, conduct. I got friends to see, games to play, things to do. There's not a chance that I'm going to hear the voice of the Lord. All that stuff drowns out the voice of the Lord and none of us can hear God. We're too busy doing all this stuff. So God has no problem taking His people. Come here, child. Come out here to where there's nothing. Brothers and sisters, God has you in that wilderness right now. He has you there purposefully so that He can talk to you mid-bar to speak. God pulls His children there so that He can speak to you. Listen, the wilderness is holy unto the Lord. It is a holy place. We hate it. My flesh hates it. I have been completely miserable at times in my life. I couldn't stand it. But it was a holy place unto the Lord. The wilderness is where the Lord speaks to His people. Now listen, we'll confirm this with the Word of God. That is not my opinion. Does anyone remember the man of God, Elijah? Awesome man of God. Actually, Elijah was the very last prophet of God of his time. The nation of Israel, who was supposed to serve the Hebrew God and Him alone, they had left God, they forgot about God, and they were serving Baal. Well, the nation went after Baal, okay, this false god. You remember Elijah comes along, and remember he prays. We're not, we're not going to go through all the scriptures. it take too long. But you remember he prays, uh, he rebuilds the altars. Because actually the Israelites had tore down the altars of God. Well, it, it, Elijah rebuilds them, and he puts his sacrifice, and he has people dump all kinds of water on it, and then he prays to God, and God comes down and consumes his offering with fire, and it's consumed. And remember, it's just Elijah against those 450 prophets of Baal, and they're chanting and doing all kinds of incantations. And remember, Elijah mocks them, and he says, Hey, I think Baal's asleep. He can't hear you. You better cry louder. And he mocks them. So that's the type of person Elijah was, this great man of God. Now, you remember, God came and consumed his offering and showed himself powerful on Elijah's behalf. And a war breaks out, and Elijah is responsible and slaughters all 450 of those prophets of Baal. Now we're going to start reading in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 1. So remember, all that stuff that I just said just happened. 
Also remember that Elijah is the last prophet. There's no one else, just him. He had just slain all those 450 prophets of Baal. Most of you have probably heard about the wicked queen Jezebel. Very evil, very wicked person. It says, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah has done, and withal how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. So she's saying, Elijah, you're a dead man. Elijah, you, you killed my 450 prophets of Baal because she was pretty much the evil leader of that time. And she says, Elijah, you're a dead man come tomorrow. You killed my 450 prophets, you're dead. Verse 3 says, And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servants there. So he's traveling with his servants. He flees for his life. Jezebel's going to come kill him. He leaves. He flees. He's with his servants. And then he comes to Beersheba and he says, Servants, you guys stay here. Let's keep reading. But he himself, listen, went a day's journey into the wilderness. So here he is by himself, all alone in the wilderness. People coming to kill him. People coming to murder him. And he finds himself completely alone in the wilderness. Remember what the wilderness is. It's complete desolation. It's nothingness. No paths. Not inhabited. You remember what the wilderness is in Hebrew, midbar. What's that mean? To speak. So let's keep reading it. But he went himself a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree and he requested for himself that he might die and he said it is enough now O lord take away my life for i'm not better than my father's and as he lay and slept under a juniper tree behold then an angel touched him and said unto him arise and eat so, so here's elijah segregated, pulled out from all the rest of the world, from the rest of the civilized world, in the wilderness. And he says, Lord, let me die here just alone in this wilderness. There's nothing here. But remember, the wilderness is the place where God speaks. Midbar, to speak. He speaks to his servant. And this angel appears and says, Arise and eat. And he looked, verse 6, And behold, there was a cake baked on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. Listen, again. And the angel of the Lord comes again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because thy journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. So here's Elijah in the wilderness, no friends, no one left. He's in this dire situation people are coming to kill him he's in this wilderness and he's fed by the hand of God by this angel that gives him strength and says come to Horeb so now he's by himself traveling even further into the wilderness and he came hither verse 9 and he came thither unto a cave and lodged there and behold the word of the Lord came to him and said unto him what doest thou here Elijah See how it says, then the word of the Lord came to him. He, where is he? He's in the wilderness. What's wilderness mean? It means to speak. He's in the wilderness. Now God has his man right where he wants him so that he will listen. You don't have to worry about people coming to kill you. I have you right here. You listen to me. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him and says, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, 
I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. Look at verse 11 says, And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great strong wind rent the mountains and broke it in pieces, the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. Brothers and sisters, do you see what's happening here? God brought his man all by himself into the wilderness and showed up in the wilderness. There this man is, Elijah, and he is before God. He's standing at the foot of this Mount Horeb, which is the Mount of God, and God speaks directly to him in this wilderness, this place of desolation. Elijah meets God in the wilderness. Elijah's fed by angels in the wilderness. Elijah gets encouragement and instruction, and we won't keep reading, but God instructs Elijah and says, I want you to do this now. And he tells him exactly what to do. He builds his man up, and he says, Elijah, your course isn't done yet. You're not going to be killed. I want you to do this stuff for me. Where does it all take place? In the wilderness. This next example if you don't believe me yet that the wilderness is holy unto God, let's, let's look at Moses. Now, Moses, if you look at his life, Moses had it made. You remember uh, when Moses was a baby, his mother raised him three or six months, however old it was, put him in that little ark, it actually says, and sent him down the river. And Pharaoh's daughter, as luck would have it, Pharaoh's daughter finds Moses, takes him, loves him, knows that it's a Hebrew child, but it actually says makes him her own son. So think of the splendor that Moses grew up with. He grew up in the king's palace, in the Pharaoh's palace. No one richer than him. Probably had the best of foods, the finest of everything, clothing, fair maidens everywhere. That's what Moses' lifestyle was. Living the good life. If you remember, it actually says when he's older that Moses actually sees an Egyptian smiting a Hebrew. Okay, one of his own, he was Hebrew, one of his own people. Hebrew is another word for Jewish person, really. So Moses sees an Egyptian smiting one of his own people. He looks around, he doesn't think anyone's seeing, and he goes up and he slays the Egyptian person. Well, people do see it, so then Moses becomes afraid and he flees. Okay, runs away from the good life that he had. Okay, now we're going to start reading in Exodus chapter 3. Verse 1. Now remember what we're talking about. We're talking about the wilderness now and what happens in the wilderness and why God utilizes the wilderness and why the wilderness is holy unto the Lord. Why God uses the wilderness. Exodus 3 verse 1 says, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, listen, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert. And came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. So here's this mountain of God again, clear in this wilderness. You know, if the desert wasn't bad enough, Moses finds himself on the backside of a desert. That's how far into the wilderness Moses is. And remember, he was living the good life in the Pharaoh's palace, the best of everything. 
money, everything that he had. But for some weird reason, God ordained it in his life to take him out of that. And now look where we find Moses. The backside of the desert, the Bible says. So God pulls his man into the wilderness. Well, let's see what happens there. Verse 2. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when Moses saw that he turned aside, to, or when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nither hither, but put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou stands is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Now, do you think he saw all this stuff in Egypt? Do you think he heard all this stuff in Egypt? No, he couldn't hear it. Why? Because he was living the good life, had everything that he ever wanted. He was busy hanging out with his friends, racing chariots or whatever it was that he did, having banquets, having balls, dating all the fair maidens of the land. But God said, Moses, I have something in store for you. And he takes him to the backside of the desert. He pulls him out of all that into the wilderness, the very place that us human beings hate to be. Our flesh hates it. But why did he do it? Remember what wilderness means? Midbar, to speak. God brings his man out of all that Egypt, brings him to the backside of the desert, and there's nothing there, nothing. And finally, Moses can hear God. And God comes to him. God speaks to him. God reveals this tremendous plan. Where at? In the wilderness. Finally, Moses' life makes sense. Do you think Moses was thinking, Why, how the world did I get here? I was raised by Pharaoh's daughter. Technically, I'm adopted by her. Technically, I'm her son. Why am I in the wilderness here, in the desert? He probably was moping around thinking, why? Why me, Lord? I had it made. But God took his man. God took the one he wanted to speak, and he had to pull him out of all that so that he could hear. Do you see the pattern emerging? How God takes His people and He segregates them unto Himself. And yes, it stinks because physically there's, it's, it's a bad situation. But then God has you in a place where He can speak to you and you'll finally be able to hear Him. I, I just believe that God is shouting at so many of us in this church, but we can't hear Him. We can't hear a word He's saying. God's going to take us into the wilderness. Many of you are there now. If you look at it, what, what happens to Moses in the wilderness? God appears to him. God in the burning bush appears in the wilderness. God reveals his plans to Moses. God puts his words into Moses' mouth. God prepares his servant. God builds up his servant. God equips his servant and then sends him forth. But all of it takes place in the wilderness. Well, I tell you, the wilderness is holy unto the Lord. We don't like it, but it's holy unto the Lord. All of it happens in the wilderness. Listen, if you're not completely yet convinced 
that the wilderness is holy unto the Lord, then we'll move on. Remember how Moses, we'll stick with Moses for now. Remember how Moses is used. God reveals all that plan to him. And God uses Moses and Aaron to bring his people out of Egypt. They were in bondage in Egypt. Had to serve as slaves. as their, They were their taskmasters. The Egyptians were. Well, God wants to bring them out because he hears their cry. And God loves his people. So Moses is the instrumental tool that God uses to bring them out of that land. Okay? Oh, remember he does all the plagues. I think it's ten plagues. He goes and does all these awesome wonders, but Pharaoh won't let him out. You remember the last plague is the Passover, the angel of death. And finally after that, Pharaoh says, get out, get out of here, leave. So they leave. But when they depart, It's very, very interesting what happens right when they leave the land of Egypt. Now remember, this is God. Here's the cry of his people, bringing them out of bondage. Very interesting. Let's see what happens to his people. We'll start reading in Exodus chapter 13. And we'll start in verse 17. Now I have a little bit of a map for you too. If we can... Bring the map up at some point. Listen, we, we, can, we can read this scripture too. And they'll get that up there. And it came to pass. Now remember what's going on here, okay? And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. Okay, we can see on our map over here. Can everyone see in the top left corner There is the land of Goshen, okay? I know it might be tougher to see, but in the top left corner is the land of Goshen. Remember, that's where the uh, Hebrews dwelt in the land of Egypt, up there. If you see the line going across the top, I guess it was easier for me to see on my computer screen than it is here. There is the way of the Philistines that goes straight across. Uh, Yeah, Mike's kind of highlighting it there. There's where God could have taken them because that's the direction they needed to go. But if you can see, go back to the land of Goshen. God doesn't take them that way. He takes them almost straight down along the green line. And we're going to read what God did here, okay? So let's, let's start over again. Now remember that shortcut that God rejects. And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near... That was the shortcut. For God said, lest peradventure the people repent when they see war and they return to Egypt. But, listen closely, God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children went up, harnessed out of the land of Egypt. They went all the way down south. And all the way down there is Mount Horeb. And then they went all the way back up and even some squiggly lines all the way back up when they could have just did that shortcut. Lord, what's wrong with you? Don't you see the shortcut? Don't you see, Lord? We could have saved off months and months and months of traveling. But God says, "Mm, no. I'm going to take my people way down the way of the wilderness. The way by the Red Sea, the Bible says. Okay, thank you, Mike. Now, I wanted you to visually see that shortcut. Because to us, when we look at a map, we think, well, I need to go to Florida. Therefore, I need to take this road, this road. That's the quickest route. 
Okay, that's how our minds work. And, and if God would have said, Jason, I need you to lead New Hope to Cambridge. Okay, New Hope, we're getting on 70 and we're going that way. Let's go. That's what I would say. Why? Because that's the shortest route, the quickest route. But God says, no, 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 You're not, I don't want you to go that way. I'm going to take you on this big, long, giant loop that goes through the wilderness. Doesn't make much sense. To me, it is interesting that God would do that. Why would God take his people into the wilderness? Remember what the wilderness represents. It's uncivilized. There's no pathways even. There's no roads. But God says, take them into the wilderness. Lead them into the wilderness. Because ultimately, God's trying to take his people to Canaan. But he doesn't take the shortest route. He rejects the shortcut. Now we must ask ourselves, why would God do this? Why would God take them on the big long journey through the south by the Red Sea? Why would he take them in the way of the wilderness? Maybe, remember what wilderness means, midbar, to speak. Maybe God wants to speak to his people. If we ask ourselves, what happened to the Israelite people? On that journey, on that green line. I know it was difficult for you to see. What happened to his people along the way? Now, you have to remember, there was no Bible back then. They weren't making their journey down through the wilderness. and They had their Bible in their hand. They say, hey, let's read, why is God doing it? They didn't have that. At most, they may have had some stories. I'm sure they had some written stories of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm sure there were some stories about a global flood. But that's about all they had. They didn't have the sacred scriptures that we have today. None of that. They didn't have God's law. They didn't have that. None of that was revealed. So here they find themselves traveling through the way of the wilderness. Let's read in Exodus chapter 14, verse 11. This is the people. They begin to complain. And they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, Hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell you in Egypt, saying, Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than we should die in the wilderness. That, that captures human nature, does it not? They're saying, hey, Moses, you took us in the wrong way anyway. You're trying to tell us we're going to this promised land. Well, it ain't this direction anyway. And now here we are, and there's nothing here, Moses. You should have left us in Egypt. At least we had homes there. At least that was familiar to us. They're griping. Why? Because us humans don't like the wilderness. We don't like desert. We don't like nothing this. We don't like uncivilized uninhabited places but verse 13 says and Moses said unto the people fear ye not stand still and see the salvation of the Lord which he will show you this day for the Egyptians who ye have seen this day ye shall see them again no more forever Moses says hey hold on a minute in the wilderness God is going to reveal himself to us so if we ask ourselves what happened to the Egyptians or to the Hebrews in the wilderness listen God parts the Red Sea if you keep on reading, God feeds them with quail. God feeds them by his hand with manna. God leads them by a cloud. God leads them by a pillar of fire. God does all these things. And listen, we'll pick up in Exodus chapter 19, verse 2. Listen, it says, For they were departed from Rephidim, and were coming to the desert of Sinai, and had pitched in the wilderness, and 
there, Israel camped before the mount. Okay, so this is his people. They're just still traveling through the wilderness. This nothingness, been delivered out of Egypt, and they're in the middle of nowhere in the wilderness. And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bear you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. Brothers and sisters, the wilderness is holy unto the Lord. Why did God bring them into the wilderness? Because he was bringing his people unto himself. He says, you saw the wonders that I did to the Egyptians. You saw the power that I have. And I brought you here to the wilderness, to the Mount Horeb, to the Mount of God. Why? Because I want to bring you unto myself. God does it because he loves us. Listen, and if you go on to read, God establishes his covenant with his people, with the Hebrews, the Israelites. And then listen. He gives them the Ten Commandments. All in the wilderness. He gives them His law. We have it still to this day from what they suffered in the wilderness. We have it to this day to read and to cherish because of the wilderness. This was conceived in the wilderness. This was written in the wilderness. At the mount of God, His words are recorded for us even to this day thousands of years later because it all came to the wilderness. Remember what the wilderness means, to speak. God didn't take that shortcut. He took him on the long route, the route that went by the Red Sea, just so he could bring them unto himself because he loves them. He ended up giving them the Ten Commandments, his word. He established his covenant forever with his people in the wilderness. Do you think they would have heard any of that still in Egypt? No, they would have been content working as slaves. At least I have a house. At least I have some food. At least there's civilization around here. At least there's familiarity. Brothers and sisters, I know that we hate the wilderness. Our flesh hates the wilderness. I know that many of you are in a particular type of wilderness. I know that you are. I talk with you. I have sat at my desk and talked with many of you. I know that you're in a wilderness. I know that it's not fun. But what is God trying to say to you this morning? Can you hear him speaking? Because all he's trying to do is bring you unto himself. All he's trying to do is to segregate you, to bring you, to get you alone so that there's nothing else around so that you can finally look up and say, what, Lord, I'm listening, what? Brothers and sisters, don't hate the wilderness. In the wilderness, to speak, the Lord gives his law, his command. He builds up his people. He equips them to do what's needful. He reveals His plan. Some of us float around with no purpose in life. Let God take you into the wilderness and He'll reveal something to you. The Lord works in the wilderness. I'm going to bring this to a close now. If the band could make their way back, I would appreciate it. But do you see, brothers and sisters, the pattern of the Lord? Do you see? And, and we could go on. There are other examples that I'd cut out just for time's sake. But do you see the pattern of God taking his people out into the wilderness? You know ultimately why he does that? Ultimately, if you, you break it all down to its roots, it's love. That's what it is. That's why God brings us to such a miserable place in the wilderness 
It's because he loves us. He chastens us out of love. He instructs us out of love. God loves us. That's why he brings us into the wilderness, so that he can speak to us. Listen, if God has you in the wilderness this morning, don't resist it. I'm not telling you to like it, because I get it. It's an inhospitable place. But he's brought you in that wilderness so that he can have you unto himself. He's trying to get you to cut the ties with the world. He's kind of trying to get you to hear that still small voice. The, the same one that Elijah heard when he was called into the wilderness. You know, that still small voice is drowned out so easily by the world. So easily. And we can never hear God. New Hope, listen to me. The wilderness is where God speaks to his people. Real quickly, Luke chapter 3, verse 2. You don't have to turn there, but halfway through it says, The word of God came unto John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. Remember John the Baptist? Remember how he was this awesome preacher man of God? Where did he get his word? Where did he get his inspiration? Where did he get all that? The word of the God came unto John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. Listen to Luke chapter 4, verse 1. This is talking about Jesus. It says, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit of God into the wilderness. I'm telling you what, brothers and sisters, if you're in the wilderness this morning, don't resist it. Don't resist God. Tell God, what, Lord? What? What are you trying to say to me this morning, Lord? What do you want with me? Lord, I'm miserable. You have me in a miserable place. I don't like this, Lord. I can't stand it. What are you trying to say to me, Lord? Open my ears that I might hear you. Because I just know this morning he's shouting at people. He's trying to get you to hear. He's trying to instruct you. He's trying to correct you and to reprove you. But we can't hear him. All this morning, I pray we can take this home. That the wilderness is holy unto the Lord. Let's stand if we can dim these lights.